Hello, and obviously welcome to today's live webinar. I am your host, Nathan Sharp. And for anyone that doesn't know, I work for CM Life Science, and I'm a global headhunter and recruiter here at CM Life Science. And I specialize in the point of care diagnostics market on a global scale. Today's webinar is, of course, all about what's next for lateral flow. Um, and before I get started with intro introducing the three men in front of me, um, I just wanted to go through some of the little admin questions um, and admin things that we need to cover. Um, so we will be running a Q&A at the end of the session. Um, so if you would like to pick the brains of any three of my guests, then uh, put your question in the chat and we will do our best to answer as many as possible. Gentlemen, if, if you're all ready, then um, let's, I guess, let's get started. And Rob, I'll pass it over to you if you'd like to quickly introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Rob Miller. I, I work at Drummond Scientific. We're a vertically integrated manufacturer just outside of Philadelphia. Uh, we concentrate on uh, IVF, uh, in vitro diagnostic, and lab instruments in the life sciences space. We're, you know, pretty excited to be part of, of the LFA community uh, more recently than, than some of the other uh, members of the panel. Great, thank you. Angus, if you would like to introduce yourself. Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Nathan. My name is Angus Erzitz, and I work for Catalyst Laboratories. Uh, we're an authorised uh, distributor of molecular diagnostic test platforms. Uh, we also provide lateral flow tests to our clients. Uh, we work with a, with a large number of corporate and travel clients across the UK and overseas. Uh, we run testing at various different travel hubs, do a lot of uh, a great deal of testing uh, in corporates and film and TV space, etc. Um, and um, have uh, and have our own laboratories uh, where we process tests as well. So uh, we have a wealth of experience uh, running all sorts of different testing solutions, uh, pretty much since the pandemic began. Um, and delighted to be here today. Thank you very much, Angus. And last but not least, uh, Lee, if you would like to introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, uh, my name is Lee Thomas. Um, I work with Abingdon Health. Um, we're a contract development and manufacturer with high throughput automated manufacturing um, based out of two sites in York and Doncaster in the UK um, and really providing that manufacturing service to a global customer base, um, both with COVID-19 response as well as non-COVID testing. So, um, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been around a while and uh, well and truly entrenched in the lateral flow space. Great. Thank you all for that. And yeah, great to have you all here as well. And thank you for obviously taking the time to uh, be a part of the, the panel. Um, I'll kick off with the first question then. Um, and that is, why has it taken a global pandemic um, for lateral flow to be properly appreciated? Uh, well, my thoughts are on that. So it's an interesting question uh, you asked there, Nathan. Um, and, you know, one one answer to that would be that, you know, it was that, you know, it certainly was appreciated, I think, before, maybe not properly appreciated, but, uh, you know, it's been used in many other areas of medicine, areas like pregnancy tests and um you know, to give one example, it was used, um, you know, it's been used um, very effectively in to, di to um, diagnose malaria. Um, in fact, um, the numbers of, uh, of tests that were sold, um, of lateral flow tests that have been sold in that space are very, very, are very, very large. I mean, even back in 2017, I believe there were about 276 million 
um, rapid tests for malaria was supplied globally um, in parts of the world that are um, that basically are quite challenging. Um, so I think that you know it's certainly been a technology that's been out there. It perhaps hasn't come to the to the major um, uh, to the notice of the public particularly before, because unless you happen to have a particular need to use a lateral flow test for some area, then um, you uh, perhaps wouldn't have come across them. Um, but you know, I think one of the key things about lateral flow devices is that. Uh, um, is that whilst they can be controversial, they do provide a cheap and effective way of getting diagnostic services out into the front line and in front of people where perhaps it's difficult to do more complicated types of testing. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we've seen very much is that uh, there's a there's a growing interest, um, and certainly as we I think as we move beyond the pandemic in diagnostic testing, uh, I think it's becoming a key focus. We've had feedback from various different healthcare areas including governments on this that as we move forward the amount of of sort of a point of care diagnostic testing which is going to be used particularly to predict things as well I think is going to be very interesting and I think there's very much uh, the way that the marketplace is going to move so I, I predict that uh, that lateral flow tests are actually going to become um, even more dominant and used in more and more areas as we move forward. Great thank you for that. Um, Rob do you do you agree with that on and, and what are your views? Yeah, so I think I think Angus brings up some really great points. I think that uh, certainly it's lateral flow has been in uh, most consumers' lives, uh, just in a different format and and being probably less critical than uh, historically than in the immediate past. Um, so I think the you know taking a, a different shape and and being such an important part of uh, transitioning from uh, the the uh, oh no to uh, some sort of relief, uh, and and maybe being able to use that as a a, a, a gate uh, to to entry into school or um, you know come back to work. Uh, I think that the the importance has certainly uh, become much more present in everyone's lives. Yeah, no, I I, I would agree. And and Lee. Um, what are your views on on that? I think it's. I think it touches really a little bit on what Angus was saying. It really depends on which side of the optics you're looking at that question um, and the point of view. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I guess you could add in the UK, perhaps in other markets, because some some global markets and or verticals have been reliant on lateral flow and using lateral flow to great effect for a number of years. Um, examples in some of the infectious disease testing that Angus brings up, but also you know drugs of abuse testing, drug roadside testing. Um, for with with, uh, with law enforcement workplace testing in the US for, for drugs abuse testing um, with with the with the drug cup um, and also you know infectious disease tests as we said but um, it's essentially a quick and cost effective way to diagnosis when it's required and be deployed in the field and that's really where it's been it's only now really be where in where you had less of a less of an impact of that. And where now it's actually the original question, where the, the pandemic is actually threatening and become a huge threat, I think, to the economies and opening up and putting the public, that's what's brought it to the forefront. And like anything, when something gets threatened, you reach for what is going to be and get you up and out of the problem as soon as possible. And that's why really now it's just new to our some of the markets, but for many markets it's been a it's been a, a staple, a staple tool in the in the combat. And really, uh, of the respective disease state, and it's, it's because it's affordable, it's rapid, and it's easy to use, and then it becomes very compelling. No, definitely. Um, I think uh, I'm not well. I, I think a couple of you mentioned as well about it. Obviously, the 
um, the, the quickness of the test and it being cost effective. Do you think that because it is quick and cost effective, this is the way maybe it's got its reputation as well? Um, be, because people maybe see it as because they're kind of doing it themselves and self-administrating the test. Maybe people see it as almost like a simplistic test, so therefore not as accurate. I think the two are probably not. They, it is a simple test, and it's a simple test to operate. It's certainly not a simple test to develop and put together. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I'll take I'll take your word for that. I, I, I'm not too sure. I was just about to, to, yeah, move on to that as well and say, how can we overcome that inaccurate reputation that I guess lateral flow tests have become to become known for? Um, okay. Um, well, look, I mean, I think we've got to, let's not perpetuate the myth with a question either. I mean, um, the reputation for inaccuracy is probably only okay. in certain areas and with certain, and then, you know, in terms of the uninitiated. Um it's certainly a generalization mm-hmm. that's been placed across um, lateral flow tests. But like any diagnostic or any other product, you've got better performing tests than you've got, you've got the, than others. Um, so to say the technology is inaccurate yeah. in itself is probably, and the platform is probably probably not correct. Um, look, regulatory bodies and testing, and we're a heavily regulated um, industry, is the key and should be welcomed. I mean, that drives out this inaccurate reputation. Um, and also... Um, when you see the exceptional performance of, of tests in the market, um, it, and also I think in terms of responsible reporting, we've seen rapid tests and lab testing being a little bit of a, a football, being bounced between you know, almost like Apple and IBM. I mean, they're trying to play different technologies off in this pandemic, and that's not really not that's nonsense. I mean, in effect, all diagnostic tests have a role to play and a place in in a testing. Um, in a testing regime or regime uh, or and design testing program. So I think just to answer your question, um, responsible reporting certainly and, and an education um, of the masses, but that's been now kind of getting more accepted. Um, and a focus on high quality materials. Yep. I mean, it is important to note, you know, do be, beware cheap imitations. Um, these are complex devices and they rely on biologicals and complex um, materials. And it's important that, um, you know, you can't compromise on quality and shortcuts. Um, and that's really got to be uh, understood in the market as well. Because even though they look simple, they're not. And I mean, that's why it's a, it's a, it's, that's why it's important that um, the quality is maintained. No, definitely. Yeah, I would. Sorry, I guess. No, go ahead. No, sorry, I was going to say, I would certainly agree with that, Lee. Um, I think you've hit on some really, really good points there. Um, you know, certainly our view is that um, proper regulation of the tests is really important because there are some really good, effective lateral flow tests out there, as Lee says. There are also, frankly, some tests that are not so good. Um, and in fact, there are some tests that are not so good that have been adopted on quite a quite a major scale. And I think this has not helped the situation because then, you know, obviously people then, you see headlines reporting that tests are used in certain certain settings and are, are, and are, aren't giving accurate results and it's often because they're very poorly manufactured i mean we've done a we we are test agnostic as a company um 
we see ourselves as working best in class. So we actually have a team of scientists who evaluate new products um, constantly. So we, we've looked, you know, far and wide, basically, for, you know, what we see to be best in class tests. And uh, there's a lot of tests which are being sold on the marketplace, you know, which, frankly, are quite dubious provenance. Um, and I think, you know, what we've seen as well is, I mean, it's interesting, but regulation is really key here, because if you want to operate as a testing company, you have to have a UCAS accreditation, um, which is which is not an easy thing to get. Um, and any company who acquires UCAS, it really is a very credible organisation. Um, However, if you want to sell lateral flow tests, you know, um, you can do that without any form of regulation at all. And I think that that is, is a problem for the industry because it's allowing, you know, frankly, people that I mean, we've had people offer us tests, frankly, that we've been quite gobsmacked as to who they are, where they've come from, just literally almost like Del Boy in the back of the lorry type environment. And uh, I think that that doesn't help. So I think if there was to be more regulation in place to say that if you are going to offer and sell tests, you know, you have to be properly accredited. Um, Maybe that is UCAS, maybe it's something else. But I definitely think that you need to better give people confidence that they're working with and dealing with credible companies who know what they're doing, you know, such as the people that are here today. Yeah. And, and just to correct before Rob jumps in, if I can just add to that, I mean, he's also looking at the environment where lateral flow tests are de uh, deployed. It's not just in pandemic arrangements and arenas. I mean, you know, these rapid tests are used in, in incredibly critical um, situations. Mm. In environmental situations, food testing, you know, the burger you eat is likely to have um, been tested at some point with a, with a diagnostic test to test for its um, toxin content. So um, also the, the plane that you arrived on this morning is likely to have been tested with a lateral flow test to test whether it's got um, bacterial uh, in, the, in the fuel tanks. So, I mean, these, these tests are being used. It's just it's always, in, unless you get into a pandemic, you're not fully aware of the, of the, of the criticality of the environments and actually the, the good quality of tests being used in those areas. No, definitely. Sorry, Rob. Go ahead, Rob. No problem. I, I think... I think that some of the inaccuracy reputation is, is more of a, a relativity component because I mean if you're going to compare the the uh, sensitivity to to a, a gold standard lab test that you're benchmark benchmarking LFA against that you know you, you might be able to to make the argument that it's it's inaccurate but I think that the the use case is different um, in, in many cases and the chemistry has improved. Uh, significantly over the years and i think that uh you know with with novel diseases maybe uh, you have some uh, some struggles in the early going especially when you have really low sample sizes and and uh some some constraints on the supply chain um, but i think that the, the other component for us that we've seen a lot of our customers focus on is the usability and the user experience and, and trying to uh create the easiest path easiest path to the the right answer and eliminate as many possible errors uh, as as you're able to and i think that you're going to see a lot of a lot of um not to jump ahead but a lot of newer uh devices in the lfa world move in that direction and i, and I think that there's there's also several uh new customers that we've had over the last four years that ha have uh, played in this semi-quantitative world where you get a, a little bit of the, the best of both worlds, where you have the, the binary answer at the, at the you know, patient's fingertips um, with you know, a little bit of uh, color to it so that you can you know, help manage and monitor too. It's not just a, a uh, yes or no, 
decision with, with the, some of the infectious disease or disease states. No, definitely. Thank you all three for that as well. Um, I, I guess that puts us in a position as well to say what role do and have lateral flow tests played alongside other point of care testing, um, either platforms um, or devices as a whole? Uh, and what role will they play in, in the future as well? Angus, if you would, uh, I know you have, you, you both have the lateral flow and the, and the platform as well. So if you would like to, to, to kick us off with, with that one. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I mean, we're, we're firm advocates that, you know, it, having testing solutions is, is the critical component um, in these environments, I think, has been said before by both my co-panelists. Um, there's a time and a place for all, all testing and different types of testing. Um, and it's very important to, to sort of like to, to understand when's the right time to use different types of testing. I mean, in our experience, we uh, our core test is a rapid PCR test. Um, which can be run in in an hour essentially so uh, we we have a a lot of clients who who like to have the lateral who who use pcr testing because they can get those on-site results quickly they also have a strategy of using lateral flow with that um some of our um clients in the cruise world for example we we, we work a lot in that space them um, they have a strategy of or having people have a have a pcr test before arriving and then when they get embarked uh, a they use lateral flow test um to get them on board the ship um so i think definitely the the key to this is to basically understand you know what the level of risk is what the type of testing that is required to give people confidence i mean there are certain environments where frankly you need a pcr test because you have to give people that that key certainty that you know they are in an environment where people are negative and there are other environments where it's more it, it perhaps it's, it's more important to use a screening device to basically to sort of um, test people but you don't need that that greater accuracy of pcr so it's a question of judging the circumstances in the situation and being able to offer a, a full solution. Um, I think it's interesting to note as well that um, you know we've we, we've been involved in this space for some time and we've come across many different new technologies. Uh, we we actually had um, um had a lot of experience in um, launching a lamp test into the UK market uh, last year that initially picked up a great deal of uh, interest and was used in quite a variety of places. Um, however, one of the challenges we found is that any form of new technology that you deal with also has to be fully adopted by governments universally. Um, in fact, the reason we moved on to a rapid PCR test as well as lateral flow was because we, we saw that LAMP just didn't get that full acceptance. You know, when you look at travel, it's a PCR test, which is necessary. There are some countries that accept LAMP, but a lot of them don't. Um, and so I think that when we talk about new technologies, I happen to think that lateral flow testing, there's a lot of interesting things happening in that space, as Rob alluded to. And I think that we'll see some really interesting things but i think that in reality the it's the it's things like pcr testing lateral flow testing will remain really key i mean we hear about breath tests and sweat tests and all sorts of interesting things but you know there's a long way to go from people having those and bringing them to market and then being universally accepted for use across the world in different settings and so i think that um you know a combination of the, of those types of testing is going to um, play a key part um, as we move forward. Um, and it's just a question of uh, of using the right test in the right environment. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, I saw you nodding your head in, in agreement with uh, with Angus there. Is is that something that you agree with as well or, or what are your views? Yeah, I think that the right test for the right place and time, and, and certainly as Angus mentioned, urgency is, is one of the areas where LFA has an opportunity to shine. And I think screening is another important area. Um, but when you when you absolutely need the precision uh, of, of PCR, 
there's going to be a place for that. And, and I, th I think that, um, you know, our, our regulatory bodies are, are different, but um, probably move it at the same pace. Um, so we've, we've had some, some um, interesting uh, innovations that haven't made it to market because of a combination of, you know, customer uh, adoption and the willingness of, of the government to take that next step to, to put more uh, responsibility on the, the patient or, or downstream in the value chain. Um, you know, I think that, I think that that is where it's heading. And one of the, you know, very interesting side effects of, of the pandemic is it, it has absolutely accelerated th that shift. Um, you know, I, you saw an overnight uh, willingness to adopt um, telemedicine as soon as, as folks were unable to get to the doctor. And, you know, you've seen a, a also in the States, at least a, a shift to um, the FDA's willingness to allow some, some new infectious disease in-home uh, testing. And you know, we've had customers that, that we've been working with that have really, really cool products that are, are, you know, moving in that direction, right? Trying to get as much um, in the patient's hand as possible. And whether that's a, a at-home collection and, you know, fill something out online or, or that ends up being a, a full test, you know, maybe guided by a, a app or something uh, on one of our, uh, the, the customer's platforms so that you can uh, take care of the reporting requirement for some of those infectious diseases. You know, I, I think that that is where we're, we're moving. And, and as I mentioned, the user experience and usability components before, those are kind of critical and, and, and getting there the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at what's ahead for, for the kind of lateral flow, then um, I think with the glass ceiling is, is pretty much being well and truly broken on this. Um, and, um, you know, the value is being seen daily. Um, I think if you just look specifically on the next, if we look over the next 12 months, um, then um, the, um, we, we are, I think the COVID, you know, the pandemic is still going to be within different parts of the, of the, of the pandemic curve in different territories. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's, that's where it comes back to specific testing regimes for, required for different environments. And, diff and where we've got acute testing in place, then, of course, then um, PCR antigen testing will still be progressing. We're coming out of the pandemic and perhaps post-vaccine, then we see in now increasingly neutralizing antibody testing um, coming to the fore and, and, a, and a need really to, to support those um, vaccine passports and also the seroconversion of, 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 and post-infection. Um, post, post, uh, post so yeah. certainly we think that, that that's going to be coming um, forward. Um, in terms of the, um, of, of the wider, um, in terms of the wider scope, and I think Rob's uh, quite right, actually, I mean, a lot of advocates in the industry have been saying for, for a long time, health, the health budgets are staying static. Employments um, are increasing. Aging populations are increasing. There's so much pressure on, on, on health care um, that um, there's been a need really to try and move triage and primary care out of the um, doctor's office and into the hands of the patients. And there's been some resistance there, I think. Um, what this pandemic has done is completely short-circuited that and just really fast-forwarded and accelerated and shown what a ruptured health, the threat of a ruptured healthcare system, which would have been over a period of time, has happened basically within 12 months. And, and that's what's driven then this, this behavioral change towards, well, actually, you know, perhaps home testing is an environment. And certainly with the advent of, um, of app uh, and looking at the, the use of data 
and driving data to the clinicians and the caregivers, that frees up our primary caregivers to be to be deployed against the acute acute requirements. Um, whereas chronic, you know, chronic treatment, um, looking at um, uh, infections so for early intervention um, and prevention. I think one of the guys mentioned earlier on, prevention is key to future healthcare budgets and saving the billions that we need to do. I mean, you, you prevent and, and instead of managing the symptoms of a chronic condition, which uh, then effectively you you look you prevent it through the proper appropriate management. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the direction we'll be going in. And rapid testing and, and lateral flow has a, a very significant part to play in that. I think because as we said, it's simple; people can use it, and the practice and the and that the people have gained over this pandemic may has really brought it into the common vernacular. Yeah. Um, I've never heard PCR testing being referred to. In the high street, as I've had, or, or lateral flow testing, um, whereas you know uh, it's, it's it's now really a, a commonplace. I think people are going to want it actually. They don't have the time to go and spend six six appointments and go back into there. They're going to want to be able to deal with that specifically at the time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, so yeah, that's where that's that's it really. No, absolutely. Uh, I I totally agree as well. I think even just speaking on behalf of some of my colleagues um, who don't work in this space here. Um, at Charlotte Morris as well. I think they've all seen the um, the speed and the, the the test light lateral flow that we have to do on a weekly basis now, and it's opened their eyes to to this market as well. And they're, they're asking me questions about uh, lateral flow and PCR that they previously wouldn't have done um, because of the last twelve months and the, the pandemic. Um, sorry, Angus, were you just about to to, to comment now? No, I was simply going to say um, to what to to what Lee was saying there. I mean, I completely agree with that. We've seen, uh, you know, we've we, we we we've seen and had conversations, um, you know, with with, with uh, people who are talking about the fact that you know when you look at the NHS, look for example, take one one organisation, a lot of um, of testing and diagnostic um, activities are looking to be outsourced um, as they move forward, particularly post pandemic, um, and that you know where they can look at doing simple home tests for certain things and conditions that will help lift some of the burden that is obviously on the nhs that they're dealing with because obviously they they've borne the brunt of this pandemic and i think as lee was saying i mean one of the the outcomes of this will be that i think we'll, we'll perhaps we'll see a different way as to how they operate because they're going to have to streamline certain things so um this this area of 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 rapid diagnostics in a in a sort of point of care setting um is i think going to become a major play moving forward for sure you know absolutely rob any any additional comments to, to that or no, I, I think that the 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 co panelists have have covered a lot of it. I, I will say that we've seen. Excuse me. Is okay. I will say that we've seen um, progress in in certain areas that I think is going to allow allow LFA to, to contribute um, to a greater degree, and not it, it won't obviate you know, PCR or laboratory testing, uh, but I think that it'll be much more complimentary um, and, and not just a, a um, afterthought or, or a supplemental uh, thought. And, and, you know, simplicity and, and reduction of the uh, number of pieces and, and integration and the n- number of steps is where we've seen that our customer base has focused on trying to make uh, point of care testing, um, you know, easier to get the results into the hands of the patients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think at this point, it'd be good to, um, I guess, ask you all individually about kind of what you and your companies are doing um, within this space. And I guess what um, 
what you guys are working on over the next 12 months as well um, and allow you guys to, to speak to that if, if, if you wish. Um, Lee, if you, if you would like to, to, to kick us off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, first instance, I mean, it was an interesting point Angus brought up around, you know, the use of lamp and bringing that PCR testing into the bedside and, and sort of into the point. I mean, we do a nucleic acid lateral flow test, actually, that works with um, isothermal amplification techniques. And we think we see it. We've seen we work with a number of groups on that at this point in time. We're looking to bring productize that. And um, that's a really that, that, that I think that's an, an interesting development that will that'll come through over there. And that product's ready, you know, kind of ready. Um, in terms of us as a, as a manufacturer, then um, we're very much geared up um, to we, we've, we've seen, as I say, we saw that ceiling um, breaking. We, we, uh, we've developed um, with, a, with some consortium partners in the UK, a neutralized antibody test. And we're in the process that's been registered across the globe in, in anticipation of the um, and, and being commercialized in anticipation of the, of the, of the post kind of acute phase um, exit from, um, from pandemic. Um, and the increasing need for neutralizing antibody testing. Um, we're also um, building significant um, automated operations across our sites in Doncaster and York um, to, to rise and meet the challenge, really, of, of, of this um, increasing demand for, for lateral flow testing that we anticipate and that we see. And that's in support of some, some key and critical contract um, contracted partners that we support. We're also um, you know, building out for... Um, for, for uh, new opportunities as well in, in non-COVID world as well, yep. um, which we will also um, benefit, if you like, from the halo effect of having a, um, of, of lateral flow testing. Um, so we are effectively, we're a contract development manufacturer. We are building capacity to meet the demand in short um, and looking at the new technologies such as app, app work and, um, and, the, and the PCRD, yep. as I say. Great. Thank you, Lee. Rob, for, for, for yourself and, and Drummond. Yeah, so we uh, are finishing up uh, an additional about 8,000 square feet on our second site uh, to add to the LFA manufacturing capabilities that, that Drummond already has. Um, and, you know, we're really excited about, about working in, in the, um, the startup world and, and the uh, new product world. As well, so I, I think that moving from um, kind of a, a COVID-centric LFA world right now is where we are, to finding an opportunity to to um, be the platform, right? We we want to be able to to have as as many um, conditions tested for that makes sense at least um, on the platform as possible, and uh, work in the contract manufacturing space. So finding the right customer mix and, and uh, you know building up capacity to, to be able to uh, both manage the, the the ongoing COVID situation and then and also work on um, what's next. And again, I think that there's going to be some new novel devices that hit the market in in, in the you know, next uh, six to 12 months. And I, you know, I, I, the way that it, it's it's described around here is, is Imagine uh, something as easy as a pregnancy test, right? That has the diluent and the, the reading, and and it's just you know, maybe not a smiley face or, or anything, but you end up with just a, a very clear positive and negative, and a and a very contained solution. Great, thank you very much. And Angus, yourself, and Carlist. Yeah, thanks so much, Dean. Well, um, unlike my two uh, fellow 
co-panelists, we're not, we aren't a manufacturer uh, of tests. We're a, uh, a um, testing company. So we offer test solutions to our clients. So, you know, we're basically very interested in, in talking to and engaging with companies who have got these interesting new solutions. I mean, I think as both Lee and Rob said, uh, yeah, it's clearly there are some interesting things coming onto the, onto the horizon and uh, we're keeping a close eye on that. And, um, you know, um, yeah, we obviously are keen to talk to and work with companies who can do that, um, you know, we think there'll there'll still be a role for PCR and lateral flow testing moving forward. Certainly in the in the in the short term, um, and um, you know, we obviously will continue to offer what we do there. But obviously, we're keeping our eyes open for anything new and developing that's coming onto the marketplace that may be interesting. One of the things we have obviously is a large number of clients, so we're able to to get feedback from some of these um, these um, clients, some of whom are in quite interesting places. So you know, it's quite interesting to hear what they need and what they're looking for, um, and keep our on that um, and to make sure that we can obviously be offering cutting edge solutions and adapt those as the market changes and more things are available. Um, I think also post pandemic, you know, we've very much got an eye on that. I think as we were just were talking about in the previous question, um, you know, where the future of, of kind of using testing for areas well beyond um, COVID, not just here in the UK, but in other markets as well. Um, so we're, we've got a very firm eye on that marketplace as well. So we're developing things forward in that direction. Great. Thank you very much. Um, I think we'll leave it there for, for our questions. However, I want to quickly go to some of the questions um, that have been asked um, by, by people watching. Um, so I'm going to start with one from uh, Thierry. Um, uh, and he said, uh, more and more companies are manufacturing point of care lateral flow tests and mostly in Korea, India and China. From your view, which are the top ten companies to follow in this in this uh, in this industry, um, and if we consider it on an international market as well? Um, I guess naturally you're all going to say yourselves, but uh, <laughs> aside from that, which uh, is there any companies that stand out to, to to any of you guys? And you don't have to give a top ten, but some some insight would be great. I think that we've seen um, in, in the states at least. You know, Abbott had a, a really strong response, uh, and I think that uh, their ability to to have a, a lot of their manufacturing um, under their own roof was was super helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, internationally, you know, I think there's there's plenty of fantastic companies in in Korea, India, and China. Yeah, uh, and, and I, I think that you know, making a top ten would would, would, would yeah, difficult. That uh, I would, would want to give that a little bit more thought. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Um, Lee or Angus, is there any companies that you've seen within our market that that stand out to you um, for, for either point of care devices or, or lateral flow? I guess. Um, I mean, I think Rob's called, uh, Rob's right. I mean, there's 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 um, there's a lot of different companies which have, um, have, have different strengths and weaknesses in terms of whether they're from their own product or like with contract manufacturing capacity like ourselves. Yeah. Um, I think though um, that not all markets are the same. Um, you know, the, the Chinese market is quite different um, and it does, it is got its own ecosystem. Um, and also, um, but obviously with the, the, the Korean market um, does, does um, it's, it's highly regulated as well um, with the, the KFDA. So, I mean, you know, they're quite reasonable. So um, yeah, I mean, I think Rob's right. I think it's something you'd, uh, you'd have to do a bit more research into, but that would be my response. Great. Thank you very much. 
Yeah, I think so. I think I would sort of basically echo what Robin and, and Lee said there. Um, I mean, it's obviously quite difficult to select individual companies. Um, however, I would I would say, I think I touched upon this point before, that I think more, um, I say regulation, maybe not the right word, but I think, you know, a way of, of, of really understanding the products that are coming out, because there are some excellent companies, as, as has been said in, in sort of China and the Far East. Um, there are also some quite shocking companies as well that are selling their wares over here. And at the moment, they're all jumbled up into the same place. And I mean, if you've seen the number of clinical trials that I've seen, and I'm sure uh, my, my fellow panellists will say the same thing, that are all, all claim that their tests are the most accurate thing on the marketplace. And uh, so, you know, I, I think it is important to have a, 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 a university recognized way of being able to cut through that and be able to say, yeah, yep. these, these tests really are credible and these tests aren't credible. Um, so, um, yep. you know, uh, I mean, we, for, for ourselves, we use a credible clinical trial basically as the critical factor for us. It has to be a world-renowned institution, whether that be a laboratory, whether that be a university, a hospital, wherever it might be, um, that has issued the clinical trial and it has to be completely independent. But I think it, it would be helpful to the marketplace if there was more of that. So people could very quickly decide who is a serious test and who and who isn't you know definitely um i guess touching on that accuracy and how we see things progressing um i wanted to move on to a question from uh from from thomas um and he said um where do you see lfa readers being adopted will everyone have one in their homes within the next two to five years um what are your views on that um, well, I, I would probably, if I could just jump in, I'd probably say that actually at this point in time, everyone does have an LFDA reader in their home. It's called a smartphone. Um, and the hardware is already in place. Um, you just need to train it to read your test and, and send the data. Um, that's the short answer. And that's not being flippant. That's 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 the reality of, of, of where we currently are. Um, the, um, the lab test, that's a different market as well to lab test readers. Um, the lab the lateral flow reader market is worth about probably a billion, um, I think, um, worldwide pre 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 COVID, and um, we that would there'll be an element of disruption in there with smartphone diagnostics, but the smartphone is not just another cheap reader or another reader system. It's specific. It's got it's there to do a job of data transfer, um, and lab readers have their job to do as well. So to answer the question. Um, yeah, there may well be a requirement for readers, dependent on what you want to get out of your actual testing system and result. Um, and the, that read, the hardware is already in your own. Um, it's just um, uh, whether it's taken advantage of. Definitely. Angus or Rob, is any uh, your views on that? Yeah, we have we have multiple customers that have uh, smartphones as, as a uh, reader and transmitter uh, for their uh, LFA testing. I, I can imagine, you know, even more sensitive um, uh, testing being uh, using a smartphone as a reader, particularly in, in um, environments with less reliable infrastructure and uh, less reliable power grid. I can see that, that being a, um, a very attractive and growing market in, in the near future in the wake of, of COVID. Yeah, I would completely agree with those statements there. I think um, smartphone is definitely the way forward there. And uh, I think, you know, one thing certainly from our experience with clients and customers is that the simpler you can keep a process, the better. So, um, you know, putting something new into people's homes when there's already existing technology that can be repurposed to do that is obviously the way forward, I would say, you know. Absolutely. Well, I think that's probably a great place to leave it for today. Um, 
Rob, Angus, Lee, thank you all for joining us. I appreciate all of your time, your insight. Um, and as well, for anybody that did ask a question, um, please feel free to reach out to either myself or one of the guests. I'm sure we'll be happy to answer any questions that didn't get answered um, afterwards. And I think that's about it, really. Um, like I said, thank you for your time, gentlemen. Thank you for everybody that's uh, tuned in and watched. Um, I, I think uh, it, it's a great place to leave it. Thanks to you as well, Nathan, for organising the event. And to my fellow panellists, thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. OK. Thanks, David. Thanks, Angus. Good, good to meet you. Bye, Rob. Bye, all. Yeah. No worries. Thank you, guys.